time for one more catch-up episode and this time we're getting excited about the Rugby League World Cup in 2021 which is coming to Coventry. Welcome to the official Coventry Bears podcast. Welcome to Bernicestes. Welcome back to Bear is the official Coventry Bears podcast. We live at CoventryBears.com and we are very happy to be back here again on the microphone. I'm one of your hosts, Dave Musson, and joining me as always is my co-host and former Bears fullback, Craig Cathcart. Craig, how are things? I'm good, mate. I'm good. Uh, I've had a few days off work. Uh, I haven't done anything particularly special, a bit of a staycation. Uh, the weather hasn't been great, but I had a, a fair few good days out, so feeling a bit more refreshed now um, for the busy weeks ahead in work. Nice, nice. So in this then, this final catch-up episode from us, um, we've got the last part of our interview with Bears Director of Rugby, Alan Robinson, to bring you. And this time, as I mentioned in the intro, we're talking all things Rugby League World Cup. Now that means, of course the Australia v Scotland men's match that's happening at the Rico Arena next October, but also the legacy the tournament could leave on our region. So uh, let's get right into it. Here's Alan. For the uh, final part of our chat then, we're going to talk about that little thing on the horizon for next autumn that is the Rugby League World Cup. So we now know that the Rico Arena is going to be hosting the men's Group B match between Australia and Scotland. I mean, the reigning champions and the UK team, you must be really pleased with that as a match to bring to Coventry. Yeah, absolutely. I think with the Australians, obviously, you can't get much better than that. Uh, Reigning champions, all the big stars of the NRL, um, and and it's, I think it's perfect, really, because what it, what it opens up is that opportunity for people to come and see, uh, you know, if they don't know anything about rugby league, they can come and see a game that that will be that'll have those big stars. But also, you got a home nation, you know, the passion of Scotland, uh, a real passionate Celtic nation in, in there as well. So, if you're if you're a, a rugby fan or someone that goes to big games. Um, you know, a bit of a big game hunter. That's a perfect game for you. So I think being uh, in the Midlands, being in the West Midlands in particular, you know, it's really good uh, transport links. It's really easy to get to and accessible the Rico Arena. So I think it's it's really good. And and uh, you know, we couldn't have asked for for any better than that, really. And I know you've been working very closely with the the World Cup team and the local council on this, and you've probably had you've probably been privy to things before they've been made public i mean has it been difficult to control your excitement around this uh yeah <laughs> it has been i mean we knew probably um obviously there's things in play long before um you know but 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 initially um we did know probably uh i, can't, I probably shouldn't say exactly the the length of time but we knew a little while before the um, the game was announced, uh, but, but but you know everyone sworn to secrecy, and it was a very small circle of people that did know. Um, but obviously, that's something that um, 
you have to put things in place, and we had to put things in place for the right, the right announcement. Um, so you know, the, the Rugby League World Cup have been very professional. They've been very, very um, thorough and very, very well organised in regards to the whole tournament and what they've been doing. Um, so I think a lot of the credit goes to them. Uh, it's been great working with the local council. Um, they, they've been privy to this from, I think it's probably a year ago now when I sat with um, Mark Lovering from the RFL uh, and, and the council, the city council, just in relation to the, the fact that the recall had been announced. It was quite a while ago. It might not have been a year, but it was a long time ago. Um, and uh, obviously there's a lot happened since. So it, it's really good to be able to get get it announced. It's really good that it's got such a length of time now to build up to it. And I think that's the best thing about it. And, you know, the last time in 2016, it was a difficult, it was a challenge, you know, because it was bonfire night, it was a Saturday night. It was a difficult evening for a lot of people to be able to attend, I think, from a local perspective, that perspective, you might not have been necessarily been a rugby league fan, fully aware of it. Um, so this time, you know, it's a Friday night, 7.30 kickoff, a little bit earlier uh, in the autumn, so it's sort of the end of October rather than you're getting into November. So hopefully the weather will be kind to us. But, um, yeah, really, it was obviously very exciting to 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 know the, the teams just a little bit before we, it was officially announced. But, but you know, we've just got to make the most of it now. And how much involvement will the will the Bears be able to have on the day itself? I mean, will any Bears fans attending the game, are they going to notice a, a, a Bears presence there? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I think with, um, I think there'll be opportunities to, to promote the club at the game. Um, we did that at the 2016 Four Nations quite successfully, I thought. Um, uh, you know, we're working through those sorts of details at the minute, um, and I think I think there'll definitely be a presence. I think certainly a lot of fans have been very excited. A lot of our current season ticket holders have been talking about it. A lot of people have been talking about it online, and I think the fact that obviously, you know, it is Australia um, versus Scotland, it's brought a bit of attention too. So, yeah, hopefully, you know, and. and because we've been part of the process, that's something I'm hoping to to be able to maximise. And I think, you know, that's really, really critically important to what we're trying to do in regards to the legacy behind all of this. Um, you know, we want to be able to carry that on. We, that brings me very neatly onto my question about the legacy, because obviously, obviously, this game really offers that that very real chance for for rugby league to to really make an impact in the area. And I know how happy you are that the club has been awarded just shy of fifteen thousand pounds from the World Cups Capital Grants Program. I mean, that's absolutely massive. Um, can you just for anyone who's not who's not been following the story, can you just give a quick outline as to what that money is going to be used for and, and what it's going to be starting in the region? Um, yeah, so um, it isn't actually upfront money. What we do is we've, we bid for that amount, but the amount of money goes towards kit and equipment for us to be able to start new activity in the community. So we're going to be setting up. Um, effectively four brand new satellite clubs within the local area. Um, those satellite clubs are four age groups within each from sort of 10s 
12s, 14s and 16s, uh, all junior, junior age groups. And the plan will be that over the next 12 months into, into the World Cup and beyond will be that we develop those clubs into proper clubs that will be able to sustain themselves into the future. So, you know, that 15 grand get, gets us kit and equipment for every one of those teams within every one of those new clubs. So there's a huge amount of work to be done. It's a massive project. I mean, we spoke about um, the money's fantastic and, and the kit and equipment and everything. That's brilliant. But there's a lot of hard work to go into that. That doesn't come with um, any extra funding that we've got to put in place for, you know, coaching and, 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 and getting volunteers in place to be able to deliver that project. So hopefully, you know, everyone's going to grasp that and get behind it. And... Um, and really buy into it, and, and that we can we can go to the right areas of the city, uh, and get the right buy-in from the communities, and, uh, and create that lasting legacy. Mm, and I know when this was announced. I mean, you said you said in the press release that you think this is the most ambitious project in the club's history, which I think is a massive statement considering all of the incredible things that the Bears have, have already done. But it, it really does underline the importance of it, doesn't it? Because what was the figure you're aiming for? So growing participation in the area by by more than two hundred and fifty percent. I mean that that's that's huge. Yeah, it's it's a big project. I mean. When you, when you think about the fact that sort of four satellite clubs with four age groups within each, you're probably talking us engaging over, you know, probably a couple of hundred um, junior age groups in each one. When you, when you kind of cut through all that and then that sort of becomes teams and you kind of cut through all the participation and, and things like that and the competition that we hope to create, that'll be a little, probably be a little bit less, but still... We're, we're we're going to be touching a lot of people with rugby league and and really the sustainability of it's the, the tough part. You know, you, you've got to be able to create those clubs, sustain them, and get the right people involved that will work behind the scenes and you know all those sorts of people. That's the hard part when it comes to the community. Um, I think a lot of people that set up set up clubs in general, they've got all these fantastic dreams and. And it's it's great to have dreams. It's great to have, uh, you know, big um, big ideas for the future. But I think you all, if we always look at it and think, well, if we can start off junior clubs successfully, those kids, those families, and everyone associated with them, over probably a number of years to begin with, are going to be very very heavily involved in participation in the sport itself, in the bears, in the club, immersing themselves in rugby league. And, and that, that helps them sustain it into the future. It, it's difficult, much more difficult when you're looking at a senior, a senior men's club or women's club or, or an adult uh, team because everybody, everyone's got, you know, wives and girlfriends and weddings and, and all these sorts of things to deal with in the summer so you can participate and, and, get, and get involved in the sport. But when it's juniors, that's, that's when you can engage them in the right way in the sport, show them the beauty of it. That that's really when people kind of grasp it and, and hold on to it, and then run with it. So that that's what we're aiming for, and it, and it is a huge project. There's there's no doubt about it. Um, you know, we've run very big projects before. We've run sort of hundred grand projects with uh, Bears Fives and other participation and and things like that. We've got a lot of participation on the go at the minute with Thai rugby, but but this is 
it's probably the biggest challenge we've ever had. And it's because of that. It's because we want it to sustain. It's not just like you're running a project, you deliver it, and then it's great. It's added something. This is going to add something that can be a game changer for the Bears. You know, and I think that's what we need. Yeah, I mean, it's got that potential to to be that pathway in the Midlands that that we've been crying out for, isn't it? Really. Um, you mentioned uh, about volunteers, and I know there is some some information on the the Bears website about people who might want to volunteer their time for for this particular project. Are, are there any particular skills you're looking for, for 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 anyone who might be interested in volunteering? I always say when anyone asks me about volunteering, you know what what do we need to do? Well, the number one thing is be able to to contribute some time, you know, and if people can contribute some time and they can add some value in, in, you know, anything really from, you know, being able to, to help manage one of the teams, being able to put yourself forward to potentially coach one of the teams. Um, you know, we are looking for those key people, but, but as well as that, you know, you need all the other sorts of people as well. So there's always space for somebody but the, the most important thing is really people being able to give up their time uh, and it not being a huge chore to be able to sort of, um, you know, train people into certain things. We want people to learn with the, to learn and come on a journey with us and, and to be part of something really big. And, and I think that's what's the exciting thing about it. It's not just maybe, you know, volunteer for a couple of months and then it's, uh, it's over. This is something we really want people to get involved in and, and they can own it in that respect. You know, people can get involved in a club, be part of it and actually, you know, um, be fully involved in, in the development of a new sports club. And, and that's what's really exciting about this. And those are the sorts of people that we want, um, you know, from, from parents to, again, you know, to wives and girlfriends and grandparents and anybody, you know, that is associated potentially with, with sport with rugby, with um, with anything they want to see, you know, do some good within the community. Um, those are the sorts of people we want involved. And uh, if people come with it with that with the correct attitude to be able to, to make that difference, then I'm sure there'll be there'll be a really rewarding uh, number of positions available for them. Great stuff. Well, I'm sure we'll be we'll be following um, closely that progress of that story over the coming months. So, um, yeah, but really exciting to to see that taking shape and um, looking forward to seeing what it what it comes out with. So, I guess just before we finish, going going back to the to the World Cup, then um, aside from the the game at the Rico, are there are there any other matches you're looking looking uh, looking to get to? Because I know um, ticket prices have been revealed now. Tickets go on sale for. Um, mailing list subscribers in September. Are there any you've got your eye on? Oh, there's, uh, there's quite, quite a few. Um, I'll be honest, um, I've been so busy at the minute, I haven't had that much time to think about it, but I know there's some really tasty games um, at, at some of the bigger venues at, towards the end of the competition, but when you go look at some of the other group games, um, the likes of some of the games that's on in Doncaster, not really far from us. Um, uh, obviously, some of the other home nations, uh, some of the Ireland fixtures. Um, I know Ireland are based up in Leeds, so I'll I'll be really keen to probably try and get along to some of the Irish games. Um, I'm just trying to enjoy the tournament, I suppose, in general. Um, I, I was uh, reminiscing a little bit about 2013 um, the other day, and I remember 
um, how well the USA did in that in that uh, in that tournament, and I had some friends involved with with the USA at the time, and I remember how well that they, they did. And um, I think it was the Wiggles did a rendition of uh, "Shock the World" for uh, the USA Tomahawks uh, back then. So I'm just hopeful that there's going to be some big shocks. There's going to be a lot of excitement. Um, you know, some of the home nations can can do really well, and obviously. All eyes are on 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 England, been able to to lift the trophy and uh, and uh, you know and really be competitive. So it's I just hope it's, it's going to be really exciting. I think with what's involved with the women's game, with the wheelchair game as well, I think it's fantastic. And you know, if all of it comes together, uh, despite all the problems we've had in the world at the minute, then I think it'll be something really special. Yeah, definitely. Well, Alan, thank you so much for your time over the last few weeks, just um, getting us all caught up on everything rugby league and Bears related. I guess one one last question to finish. Um, I want you to sort of imagine yourself waking up on the 1st of January next year and, and thinking about 2021 in rugby league. What would be the top three things that you're most excited about next year? Oh, wow. You put me on the spot. Um... I think I think the first home game back for the boys and for the Bears and for the fans and for everyone associated with the club, the first time we could run back at the butts and uh, the guys come out of the changing room and you know we can hear the music and Tim Griffiths and uh, Tim Griffiths' voice on the tannoy. Uh, I've just been able to be back on the field at home in Coventry, launching the season again. It's got to be with the crowd. You know, and I, I think that will be the, the, the number one. Um, secondary to that, again, it's, you know, relation to the squad and the team. Last year was very difficult with sort of a quite a long pre-season and then we kind of got off to obviously a pretty tough start with two, two of the bigger clubs at the start of the year. So just really been able to give a good account of ourselves in, in the opening six weeks of the competition. For League One, you know, League One is going to be massively competitive. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm really excited to see some of the newer players that we've signed. They were going to be announced in the next few weeks. And I think we're going to open a few eyes with some of the players that we've, uh, that we've signed and uh, some of the names that we've, we've announced. We're going to be announcing, sorry. So, you know, that's, that, I'm seeing that some of those guys on the field. So seeing some of the newer signings and what they can do. And, and the guys that haven't really had a chance to show what they can do from last year. So seeing the players in action, um, I suppose it'd be the second and the third. You know, being, being keeping our fingers crossed and being able to get over all of the scary stuff with COVID and, and uh, the biosafety that's had to be put in place. Hopefully that can, can get to a position where people can enjoy the sport again. We can all play the game and watch the game in a safe way, and and then we can get through to the World Cup at the end of the year and and have a fantastic sign off, and England or you know one of the home nations winning the World Cup would probably be uh, the third part of the dream. So, yeah, you know it's uh, it's got a big opportunity to be such an exciting year with city culture and what's going on in Coventry, and and, and we're just hopeful that the community and everything else. We'll get we'll get we'll get behind a little bit of uh, of, of rugby league and and we have the opportunity to do that in, in a health and safe way. So 
So, you know, if all that falls into place, I'll be a very happy man. Great stuff. Well, thank you, Alan. And um, yeah, I look forward to speaking to you again soon. No problem. So huge thanks as always to Alan for his time. Um, Craig, you and I have been excited about the World Cup for a while now, but it really does feel like we're starting the countdown now. I mean, let's get into that legacy grant stuff first. It's just really terrific news for the sport in this region, isn't it? It's going to be massive. Yeah, yeah, it's it's brilliant. Um, I know that the Bears were um, hoping that they'd be awarded something. It's, it is great that the World Cup um, is trying to build a legacy in different areas. I know that there's, there's other clubs as well in the Midlands who've, who've benefited and some in London as well, um, uh, along with a, a few clubs up north. Um, but this uh, legacy funding will go a long way to, to building a, a stronger footprint for rugby league in Coventry. I mean, over the last 20 years, there's been um, so many community activities um, within within Coventry and, and the Midlands, really. Um, but this, being able to set up uh, four you know, clubs, uh, satellite clubs throughout the city, getting juniors playing rugby. Um, I think uh, in previous years, the Bears have done a lot of work with juniors. I think uh, that they haven't been able to do it this year, but last year, I think they had 70, 70 kids come into to training sessions. They've also run sort of summer camps in uh, last summer and the summer before that. Um, but actually, to it's very hard when you when you have some juniors activities every summer um, to keep those kids moving through a system uh, and building a pathway for them to the first team. But having four satellite clubs with, with different age groups and getting those kids uh, interested in rugby league, first of all, getting them interested in the bear, playing for the Bears one day, getting them um, thinking about what the Bears means to the city, um, all that sort of stuff will will be will be massive. And I'll, I think probably the biggest challenge the Bears juniors have had over the years is is getting regular games. Um, frequently, they have to travel quite far to get a game. Um, there has been times when they've had to uh, when they've gone to festivals of rugby and they've had to join with other junior clubs in the Midlands. You know, mainly because it's quite hard to get a team of you know thirteen. To 17 youngsters to, to travel um, in, in the short window that you have over the summer. Um, and as I said, getting games against teams that are local and not having to travel far um, is difficult. It tends to be a festivals type thing where the kids go and play a few games, a few shortened games in a festival. But having four uh, satellite clubs um, all with the juniors, you know, different age groups that can play each other on a regular basis. Um, I'm not sure how, how it's all going to be set up, but I'd imagine some sort of round-robin thing. That that would be brilliant just to give them regular rugby. And, of course, if you have four teams, you've got a large footprint and you can funnel the best players into to possibly, you know, a, a juniors team which will play um, against opposition more from, from you know, further away and further afield so it's it's brilliant news and, and and you know there's there's a lot to come i think uh, from this project yeah and that and that pathway piece is really important as well isn't it i mean we we we're 
we saw we were sort of seeing the fruits of the labors of the the midlands hurricanes um we've 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 talked about that over the course of doing this podcast and you know players like jacob jones and hayden hayden freeman for example come to mind as players who have been able to take advantage of there being a pathway and getting all the way through to the first team and it was it was really really disappointing when the hurricanes were were forced to come to an end so for this project to come in and and sort of reinstate that pathway um you know it's it's massive isn't it i mean I, i'm sat here recording with you know a, a one-year-old child who might one day play rugby it's, it's really exciting to think that you know by the time he gets to under 10s or whatever those clubs could be really well established and there could be so much more opportunities to play this code of rugby in this region really really exciting yeah and and the bears juniors have you know there has been some that have progressed to the first team um but it is hard when as i said when you're doing it on a short window during the summer. Um, I mean, there's some, been some top players that come through the Bears Juniors. I think uh, Jacob Umago, who plays for Wasps now, he played in the Bears Juniors. But players like that need to be given an alternative. You know, they need to be, um, you know, obviously for the for the kids playing, it's a, it's a good bit of fun and it improves their skills and, it, and they pick up, you know, extra skills from playing rugby league. But... Um, what we really need is some youngsters uh, coming in and playing through the juniors uh, and loving the game and wanting to play rugby league. Uh, you know, when when they reach sort of 18, 19, they want to be moving into the first team and they want to be playing regular um, open age rugby as well. And, um, you know, this, this would be a really good um, thing for Coventry Rugby League, um, for Midlands Rugby League. It's going to be fantastic. Not just as well from the players' point of view, um, one thing that makes rugby league strong in Coventry and, and has done over the years has been the, the number of really, really good volunteers. And I think um, having the four satellite clubs will will open the you know open opportunities for more people to get involved in the sport as on a vo- you know to volunteer and help with coaching and refing and tra- taking training sessions, all that sort of stuff. Um, it's all really positive, and you know this could be could be the start of something big i hope in in you know 10 20 years time we look back and see some players coming through into the bears first team i'm, I'm hoping that um, we'll look back on this and, and see what an amazing thing it was for the club yeah definitely we might need to set up our own um podcasting academy as well so we can bring through the next generation so we're not still having to do it in 20 30 years um because we might be a bit past it by then let's um let's talk about the match itself then that's coming to the rico arena we've mentioned it previously but australia the reigning men's champions against scotland that uk interest um yeah, we've both said before that it's, it's, it's a really good matchup. I mean, short of having an England game, which was never going to be likely for Coventry, um, there's not much more you can ask for, really, from that line, the reigning champions and the UK interest. It's, it's going to be a really good Friday night under the lights of the Rico, isn't it? Uh, yeah, it's about the best we could have hoped for, isn't it, really? Um, I mean, if you think Australia, um, current world champions, the best team, that there's ever been really um, the best team over the last 30 years. They're pretty much untouchable. Um, all of those um, brilliant NRL players that, you know, and then NRL is watched by quite a few uh, neutrals in, in, in this country. But to think that um, we'll have all those stars over playing at the Rico arena is, is fantastic. 
And I think for, for a neutral coming along to the game, to watch a game, they want to see the, the, the very top players. They want to see what it's all about. They want to see what the game of rugby league is all about. And you can't go far wrong in having, you know, the reigning world champions and, and, and by far the best team on the planet playing. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, that, and, and then the plucky underdog being a bit, you know, a British interest as well. There's, there's probably going to be plenty of people in the region with however tenuous a Scottish connection, but, you know, it's, it's often the British way to support whoever is playing Australia. So any, any excuse to, to shout for the Scotland team that night as well, I'm sure will be, be welcome. Yeah. I mean, there's, a, there's, a, there is a really big Scottish community in the Midlands. Um, you know, so I, I would imagine there'll be a fair few, um, you know, Scots going along to the game to support in support in the team. And um, they'll have a chance as well because they'll Scotland manage uh, for for the big tournaments. They manage to raise a decent team. You know they've got um, a lot of talented players already in that lineup, and I'm sure they'll they'll be checking the heritage of some, some players uh, playing playing in Australia at the moment to try and uh, to, to try and improve that. But they'll have a decent decent side. And what's also great about the game of the Rico is, and well, and the tournament as a whole really is. The, it's very accessible in terms of pricing. You know, it's not, it's, it's a far, not, not wanting to pit it up against the Rugby Union World Cup. But when you look at the ticket prices for this tournament, it's a far cry from the sort of prices that you have to pay to go and watch uh, the other code of rugby. Um, so I, I'm pretty confident that, that it's going to be a sellout at the Rico. And I, I, I know the tournament as a whole have set themselves a very high target of how many tickets they want to sell. But you know, we showed in this country in 2013 that, that there's an appetite for, for top-class sports. So, you know, I, I, I'm looking forward to seeing how many people turn up and, and, and I think they're going to sell a bunch of tickets for all of the tournament. Have you, have you had chance to have a look through the schedule yet? Have you started think, sort of working out how much you need to put in the piggy bank to, to get to all the matches you want to get to? Yeah, I mean, firstly, on the ticket pricing, um, I think that, some people have looked at it in two different ways. Some people have said, oh, you know, the sport's underselling itself. But I, I don't agree with that. I think it's making it uh, as accessible as it can to the majority of people in the country. Um, this is not about, um, this is about putting on a World Cup that people want, can and want to come and see. And, you know, if you want to get an expensive ticket, by all means, they're available. But um, to set out, you know, in each match, a number of tickets that are affordable for most people. That, that for me, is brilliant. And I think what we'll see um, is that people will go to multiple games. And, and that's the first thing that I thought when I saw the, um, you know, the ticket pricing. I thought, oh, actually, I might be able to go to a few more games than I thought. Now. Um, you know, and I'm a bit of a nerd like that. I've, I've had a look at the schedule and I've, I've written down, uh, and this is very much aspirational, um, it's based on availability and, and hoping that my, my wife doesn't kick off too much. <laughs> um, but this is what I've written down and, and actually this is missing a few games that I wouldn't mind seeing as well, but the whole thing's going to be televised on the BBC, I believe, so anything that I miss, um, I'll be watching on TV, but um, the schedule is scheduling is pretty good. Um, I have to say, I think it was uh, was it 2013 or the one before that. Uh, the way that that was scheduled, you could pretty much, if you could, if you had a car and you could drive, 
Um, you could pretty much go to every single game. Yeah, this one's a bit trickier, um, but I've thought, so the first game I'm probably going to go to, I'm going to go and try and see most of the Ireland games. Um, and I did want to catch a Jamaica game. Um, I think that's just a tremendous story. Um, you know, a small country like Jamaica getting to the World Cup finals. Um, you know, you don't think of them as a rugby league playing nation, but actually they've got quite a developed local league and it's played in schools there. Uh, it's a really fast growing sport in Jamaica. Um, you know, the head of Jamaican rugby league, Romeo Monteith, is, is like huge over there in terms of rugby league and he's hugely ambitious about what they're going to do in the future and um so my first game jamaica versus ireland i mean if if someone had said to me a couple of years ago uh you might go to, you know you might go to a world cup game and it would be jamaica versus ireland i would not have believed it in a million years but what a fantastic spectacle that'll be you know it, it's headingly and i hope there'll be a big crowd for it um I think there will be, and there'll be a huge Jamaican contingent in the crowd as well, I'm sure. Um, so that's on the 24th. Um, I'm thinking that might be, because I think that's a late kickoff, that might be a stopover in Leeds. And then on the way back on the Monday, um, stopping off in Doncaster to catch France versus Greece. Um, that's, I think, a 2.30 kickoff. Again, the Greece... The story about Greece is just phenomenal. Um, they do play rugby league in Greece. Um, there's a number of club teams. Um, but when they were in qualifying for this World Cup, they were effectively banned from playing it in their own country um, due to a bit of a coup where, some, um, where I understand the rugby, un rugby football union in Greece had um, pressured ministers there to ban rugby league so they couldn't even play rugby league in their own country they had to play home games in london and um they beat some good teams along the way to get to qualify i mean that's it's just an amazing story and i hope that um you know again it, it's a country with lots of potential um and you know things will hopefully really take off there in the next few years following this world cup journey um so anyway, um, next game, I'm, I'm trying to do mostly weekends, I think, but the next game that, that looked interesting, obviously, is Friday the 29th of October, the Rico, Australia versus Scotland. Got to go to that. Um, I think I might book the day off work so I can have a few drinks during the day before that game. <laughs> um, then the next game, I'm going to try and do uh, the next Ireland game, which is October the 31st. Uh, Lebanon versus Ireland. You gonna go in Halloween fantasy dress or? <laughs> I might. Um, I might struggle to get to that one because I've got a young daughter who might want to go trick or treating. But I'll see what I can do. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, this is what Lebanon's third World Cup. Um, so you know they are. Uh, you know, it's mostly heritage players that play for them, but they do. Um, pick some local players as well. Um, I'm not sure of the. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm not sure of the current situation in Lebanon, um, but they did have a local league um, set up there in, in Lebanon. Um, and then, so the next game is another Ireland game. This is a big one, 5th November um, in Headingley, New Zealand against Ireland. Um, that'll be a sellout without a doubt, and the atmosphere will just be fantastic. And actually, um, 
be tough for Ireland, but I think it'll be quite a close game. Um, next game, next thing I'm thinking, 11th of November, um, wheelchair rugby league in the, uh, I fancy going to the Copper Box, which is, I think that's on a Thursday, um, but there's a double header. Yeah, double header, Spain versus Norway, which for me is actually one of the most interesting games of the whole World Cup. Um, two countries where, you know, let's be honest, rugby league's not played a lot, um, but uh, Norway making a debut in a rugby league World Cup uh, against, um, you know, another small, small nation in rugby league, that's going to be fantastic. Um, and then afterwards is England versus Australia. So that's just a brilliant double header. And I think it'll be, again, that, I think that'll be a, well, you know, pretty much a sellout. Um, I have to say, I've, I had planned to go to a few women's games, um, but location-wise, they're quite difficult for, if I'm uh, trying to plan this as a bit of a, a t where the trips aren't too far, it's going to be difficult. But um, 13th of November is a double header um, at, in Anf at Anfield. Yeah, England versus Canada in the Women's Rugby League. Um, and men's quarterfinal. Don't know who that's going to be yet, but that looks like a good show. And uh, possibly a, a stopover in Liverpool that night as well. Um, and then the 20th of November, this I think is a definite for me, uh, one of the, the semi-final in the Emirates. That's on my list as well. The first, the first time a sport that isn't football will have been played at that stadium. Yeah, and you know I can easily see that being a sellout. That'll be just fantastic. Looking at the draw, it looks very likely that it could be England playing there. So an England semi-final at the Emirates in London is just going to be fantastic. Um, and then, obviously, the next up is the finals. 27th, uh, you've got the men's and women's finals played as a double header. I mean, that's going to be fantastic uh, at Old Trafford. Just a very good schedule. As I said, there's there's plenty of other games that I, I would like to try and fit in. Um, I think Doncaster, um, I would like to pop up there because it's probably the closest um, ground that we've got. Um, so it's actually not, not too bad a drive. It's quite a short drive to get up there. So I wouldn't mind that. Um, I think scheduling-wise, there's some really great stadiums, um, some really great games. Um, it's been very well organised. I would have uh, personally, I would have liked to have seen the games spread out more over the country. Um, you know, I really would have liked to have seen some games, uh, some more games in the south, um, some more games in London, uh, and I think um, there was a couple of games at the last World Cup. There was one in Bristol that did really well, sold out. Um, you know. It's a bit of a shame that that's not happening, but equally, as I said, you can't argue with how well it's been organised so far uh, and how, how well um, everything is working so far. I think, um, I think it's going to be a really successful World Cup and I'm massively looking forward to it. Yeah, and that schedule you've put together sounds like a very good one. I might well have to join you for some of those. I'm, de I'm definitely keen on... Um, the wheelchair side of it i remember watching the last wheelchair world cup they streamed it all on youtube um and i i 
watch most of those games and that was great yeah i'm I'm also thinking potentially going to some of the sheffield world uh, wheelchair games because um we have fam we have family in sheffield as well and it's like it's 10 pounds for a double header on the sheffield wheelchair matches which is ridiculously good value um and then like you i'd love to go to the copper box definitely want to go to the to the game at arsenal and obviously the final I, I, my dad and i went to the last to the 2013 world cup final at old trafford and it was great um and yeah the double header is just it's just a no-brainer in terms of value for money and an event that you absolutely want to be part of i think it's i think it's terrific that the uh, the women's and men's game being given the same stage the same stadium the same date the double header so yeah i'm like you i think i'm really excited about the tournament and um fingers crossed no other events get in the way of it you know i just love um on the finals weekend the double header for two home nation home nations to be in both finals i mean let's face it, it's like you know the home nations england are the most likely um but if there was an england if the england women's team and the england men's team were both in the finals then that would just it would just be crazy and you know the atmosphere would be absolutely magical well, I was going to ask you actually, because that was one thing, the last, the 2013 World Cup, that was the one where England were beaten in the last second in the semi-final by New Zealand. And the final was Australia, New Zealand and, and should have been great, but actually Australia just completely battered New Zealand and, and the match itself was a bit of a damp squib. I was going to ask you, I know it's way, way out yet, but who are you, who are you tipping for World Cup glory next year? Because I... I don't think it's too unreasonable to say with a straight face that England could win all three tournaments. And I know that's what they're aiming for, but it doesn't feel a million miles away. Um, <laughs> I think you've got to go with Australia. Um, I think in the women, uh, in the women's um, matches, I'm going to go for the Kiwis um, to win that. Um, the wheelchair of, um, I, I'm not totally sure, but I really think that the England um, men's team will win that. Um, in fact, I'm pretty certain they'll win that. Um, but there could be a surprise or two. Um, I w- it really wouldn't surprise me if, if you know, some like Norway or Spain put a great run together in the wheelchair tournament and, and did really well. Um, and in the men's, you can't really see past Australia, but England have got a chance. Um, I think Sean Wayne coming in um, will make a difference. He'll give them renewed, uh, some, you know, I think he gives them a chance. Having a coach like him in charge gives gives England a chance. Um, yeah. Um, I mean, being honest, there's the top three is England, New Zealand, Australia, but obviously you've got Tonga there as well, who will, who will, on their day, they can give anyone a game. And, um, you know, I think I think as well, Fiji will be quite strong, um, and, and Samoa. So I think it's going to be the most one of the most open World Cups yet. I think there's six, seven teams that, that can get into the semifinals. And, um, you know, say there was an England-Australia semifinal at, um, at the Emirates, you know, you'd back the full house you might back England to win that so who knows um, I think the men's tournament you know as I said it's it's Australia isn't it that are, are by far the favourites but you never know 
be great to see England win it. And I say that as an Ireland fan. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, obviously. Yeah. Well, good stuff. Um, lots to get excited about. Um, but yeah, good to be talking World Cup. And, and like I say, fingers crossed it can all go, it can all go to plan um, and be the tournament we all hope it's going to be. But um, for now, that, that does us for this episode. And that, that does us for this podcast for a few weeks at least. Um, hopefully you're all feeling caught up. We're going to be back later on in the autumn when we've got a few new signings to mull over um, and I'm sure we'll probably reflect on the guys charity bike ride from Hull to Coventry that is of course taking place on the first weekend of September so if you're listening to this podcast as it comes out it is this weekend there will still be time for you to sponsor the guys so definitely do that but um, until then uh, stay safe don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and of course to quote Bill and Ted just be excellent to each other and uh, Craig great to get these episodes under our belt um and i will catch you soon when we can really start getting excited for the return of the bears yeah cheers mate thank you